Christy, you think we should really apply to college? I told you, man, our IQs are too high. <laughs> Go ahead and laugh. I enrolled you guys. You all start Monday. What about you? Not me. Yeah, it's you. I enrolled you too. All right. <laughs> This is Trash Cannon, as always. I record on a whenever I feel like it basis, or <laughs> more accurately, whenever I manage to finagle a guest. And our guest this time is David Hollingsworth. Hey there, everyone. Who uh, is my first uh, guest, I believe, who is not especially into B-movies. Uh, which was the original purpose of this show was to get people who aren't too familiar with it and expose them to the glory and the horror or the sorrow and the pity, however you want to look at it. But it took me this long to finally get that and hopefully we'll have more people not initiated into our weird little subculture uh, in the future. So, David, why don't you tell the people that uh, about your martial arts experience and how we're going to be talking about a movie about martial arts undefeatable yeah so i've been training martial arts pretty much my entire adult life i'm 31 now when i was 18 i started training at a place that does muay thai and jeet kune do which is bruce lee's martial art kind of like a proto mma but with like kind of heavy traditional like kicks and stuff thrown in. And then also Arnis or Kali, which is Filipino stick fighting. I mean, simplified, but that's basically what it is. And so, yeah, I've mostly trained contiguously just my entire adult life in a variety of styles. I'd say probably my biggest specialties are Muay Thai, boxing, and jujitsu. And for me, just in general, I, I love martial arts movies. And I don't really do that annoying thing where it's like, oh, that would work in a fight. I just try to kind of enjoy it for what it is, uh, unless the choreography is really boring uh, or otherwise uninteresting, in which case uh, I might start being more nitpicky. Which, before we even get into talking about the movie in detail, uh, this movie, definitely not boring. Uh, <laughs> plenty of things to, to critique about it from a, you know, cinema perspective but certainly not boring uh but I, I think the real question is do you like cynthia rothrock's character in this movie uh do illegal street fights in alleyways in the middle of the day so that the cops can easily see you and arrest you 
Yeah, but I'm also doing it to pay for my sister's college tuition. So uh, like the main character in this movie, I definitely think I should be excused. And not just generally excused, but excused by like an abnormally buff cop who also trained deadly martial arts for some reason. Uh, <laughs> I think he should specifically be the one who forgives me. <laughs> Good point. And also, though, let's not forget that everybody in this movie is a martial arts expert, uh, even the college student sister and the therapist. Yeah, I think my I think the therapist being the martial arts expert is just my absolute favorite part. Uh, just being chased by that serial killer martial artist and just randomly performing these high level kicks on him. It's uh, it's great. Undefeatable is a movie by Godfrey Ho, who went by numerous aliases. Uh, and I know uh, David and I talked before we started recording and. I'm very happy to introduce David to the existence of Godfrey Ho because when you break down the facts about Godfrey Ho's career, it just doesn't seem real. And it's kind of amazing. So basically Godfrey Ho's whole shtick is that he would take footage from unfinished or unreleased Hong Kong and mainly in Chinese films. And he would record original footage with his own actors. And he would splice in the new scenes with the footage to create an quote unquote original movie. So this is almost like Kung Pao Enter the Fist, except it's not being terrible on purpose. (laughs) Well, this is actually one of his uh, relatively few legitimate movies. This was when he actually tried to make a real movie and so you, yeah. compared to his earlier works this movie is almost like a serious blockbuster action movie so just keep that in mind uh, that's incredible i have to see more of his stuff then one in particular uh well he he loved the title ninjas because basically his idea was There would always be a scene, he would try to pass these movies off as completely original. There would always be a scene where the actor in his original footage would be on the phone with a character from the (laughs) stolen footage and they would talk like, he he would try (laughs) to write the dialogue. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) like it was a real conversation. Um, And of course, sometimes genres didn't matter. Sometimes the scenes he shot were action well all the movies he ever made were action but the footage lifted from the unfinished movie would be like a slapstick comedy and he would still try to integrate them together and it's it's a lot of fun (laughs) his other favorite thing was that all a lot of his movies had titles like ninja terminator ninja strike force that is awesome. Ninja Exterminator, yeah. Um, but Ninja Terminator is probably the movie he's most well-known for. You probably have seen references to it, but there is an extended scene where the hero is threatened by a toy robot that marches through his door, and he calls one of the villains on a Garfield phone. You know, the kind that has the <laughs> eyes opening and closing. And, it, and it's a serious scene. Listen to me. Traitor, 
I believe that you've received a death message from our ninja empire. Ninja is supreme and you have double-crossed it. Why did you do that? The ninja empire is evil. I have to reform the ninja empire. That is why I took away the golden ninja warrior. You've got three days in which to return the golden ninja warrior or else you die. Go to hell. But this worked out really well for Godfrey Ho. Um, again, he went by different names, but according to the IMDb, under his different aliases, he released something like 40 movies in 1988, which what? is really impressive. Yeah, the yeah, year 1988 alone. That's crazy. Yeah, even considering that uh, he probably shot only 20% of the footage in any of these movies, it's it's still quite an achievement. So Yeah, it's like almost a movie a week. <laughs> it is. Uh, besides Godfrey Ho, the interesting thing is that uh, this movie stars Cynthia Rothrock. I agree with Rent Letter Media's assessment of this movie that she got a raw deal, that she should have been a more recognized um, actor. I definitely believe that her acting is the best. She's the best actor easily in this film. Agreed. Um, Not saying much, but definitely agreed. <laughs> And compared to some of the people who were leading big budget Hollywood movies in the eighties and nineties, um, I think she could she could have gotten a chance with that. But uh, but yeah, what's your assessment? Definitely legitimate, and I mean, just to even kind of unpack that term a little bit before I get into it, because a lot of different martial artists have different criteria for what they call legitimate. Uh, I'm kind of more a little bit from the MMA world. And I think a lot of uh, people in my world kind of assess it based on how much it looks like something from the popular arts in MMA, you know, like from the, the arts I've done, boxing, jiu-jitsu, Muay Thai, as well as uh, wrestling and, and kickboxing and things like that. But no, as, as someone who appreciates all martial arts and just kind of likes to see different techniques, she really knows what she's doing, especially with her kicks. Her kicks are really impressive, but uh, she has good movement, flexibility. She flows through on her movement. So I'd, I'd say it's pretty legit stuff. Uh, again, especially really legit in terms of what you're looking for in an action movie. Because, you know, some of the stuff that's most effective in, like, a real fight or an MMA fight isn't necessarily the most aesthetically pleasing or interesting to see. And so, you know, for what you want from uh, martial arts in a in a movie for your entertainment, I, I think she's pretty uh, pretty good. Yeah, I, for me, the highlight is the scene where she, uh, and this is really skipping ahead a lot of the plot, but there's a scene where she's pretending to be a woman who's been taken captive by the serial killer Stingray, which um, incidentally I, I think was a fantastic name for a serial killer slash uh, underground martial artist. Slash guy who uh, calls women uh, mommy. Mommy, <laughs> just like Ronald Reagan. <laughs> In fact, I think you could argue that Stingray does look like a, a young Ronald Reagan, uh, only much much buffer, like all the, like most of the men in the film, leading men in the film, I should say. Hard, uh, hard hitting satire there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
but yeah, she she literally flips uh, from the chains that she's supposedly attached to, and just basically flips to the other side of the room, and it's it's pretty impressive. Like the stunt work overall, even beyond the martial arts, are are definitely professional grade, definitely. Yeah, I would even call this, you know, this uh, B movie better choreographed than most modern Hollywood action movies, which I mean, to be perfectly real, I don't have a very high opinion of it actually kind of shocks me how bad most movies are in (laughs) action choreography. But uh, no, here, I mean, you're actually seeing like the, the chains of attacks, like not just being thrown, but landing. They're not you know, modern martial or modern uh, Hollywood movies uh, in in uh, action scenes, they always cut away from the hit, and it just completely takes the rhythm out of a scene. Uh, and you know, it's done to cover people who don't know how to fight. But uh, point being, yeah, no, this is this is well choreographed and just a step above even modern Hollywood with like a, a shoestring budget. Yeah. Um, so, like when we first meet our cop. Uh, Nick, uh, even even kind of the goofy scene where the convenience store is being robbed and this kid oh, hell gets... yeah, that scene is great. <laughs> this kid gets kicked or thrown across <laughs> the store and he just goes, ouch! And you can kind of see how they just, like, I guess put him on a little uh, platform, although you can't really see it, but he, he basically literally slides... Across like the floor, feet. <laughs> <laughs> and I love, I love how that happens because those guys are like robbing the store, and the kid is like, "But wait, I have to pay right now before you guys rob it." And then the, and then the evil henchman, you know, possibly justified because what a fucking dork thing to say when the store is getting robbed. Uh, possibly justified. He's like this one's for free, kid. And then, yeah, just launches him with that 30-foot kick. <laughs> yeah, that poor kid. <laughs> so we we have the uh, very hot buff cop who, of course, in classic Hollywood fashion, takes an interest in Cynthia Rothrock. Uh, I, I'll just refer to her as Cynthia Rothrock from from this point out, because uh, uh, although her character's name is Christy, you either know her as Cynthia Rothrock or you know her as Sonia as Sonia Blades' inspiration in Mortal Kombat. So, so, so Cynthia captured by her uh, delving into the character. You don't you don't watch that movie and think, "Wow, this isn't Cynthia Rothrock at all." <laughs> exactly. Although, again, like I said, I mean, I, I, I actually kind of bought her relationship with her younger sister, uh, even though, even though her sister wasn't nearly as well fleshed out or uh, as well portrayed. But Cynthia definitely gave the character her all as yeah. this waitress, full time waitress who somehow also makes money doing relatively tame street fights with games. And you don't know what the point is because like the only audience are people in suits. So it's like, who's paying for this? You know, they're not filming it at all. So yeah, you know, who was this for? <laughs> <laughs> it's broad daylight. 
the cops seem to catch them every time they try <laughs> to do it. <laughs> and so, they always send their one guy who's just like himself an elite level fighter. Yeah. Which, I mean, I guess in its own way does make sense. I, I guess. Uh, but yeah, she's involved in a gang called the Dragons, but they're not, I believe that's what they're called, the Dragons. Something like that, yeah. I, I, I think forgot. Maybe the, the Red Dragons or something? Red Dragons, yeah, yeah. And they're like the most harmless street gang you can imagine. Uh, they're definitely of... like 80s uh, movie gang characters, for sure, where they're just like hapless and endearing. Yeah, and they seem to segregate themselves by race because uh, there's like the, the first gang they fight is mostly black um, and they're mostly uh, They're like Chinese. all white women and Asian men. It's really yeah. interesting. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's really just whatever English speaking actors Godfrey Ho could pick up in Hong Kong at the time, honestly. And then we have uh, Stingray, who is portrayed by Don Neom, who is an actor you probably haven't heard of unless you follow the softcore adventures of justine series which he was involved in for i imagine its entire run and who is also buff oiled down and uh knows martial arts oh baby so much oil in this movie (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i i gotta give the movie credit for for being for the uh gay men and women as much as it is for well actually we probably get more beefcake than we do tna honestly yeah we get a lot more beefcake here <laughs> uh, down to the glorious uh, final confrontation where nick and stingray sh- rip their shirts off for no reason and they're just screaming at each other like like super saiyans So what's your assessment of the villain Stingray? You know, it'd be easy to call it bad in that he's overacted, but really, I I really like him because he's memorable. Um, you know, we, we've riffed about it a couple of times already, but uh, I've definitely never seen a martial arts movie bad guy who uh, is a serial killer who was abandoned by his mom and calls his victims mommy. Like, I'm definitely, I don't think I'll ever see that uh, in any other film. And for that reason, I, I actually really, uh, I don't know if like is the right word, but he's a really interesting character. He's really memorable. Yeah, especially because, and I can't impress this enough, is that not only he he manages to be a, I mean, I guess he's relatively sane at the beginning of the movie, although you know he's bad because he rapes his wife, Anna, to extremely inappropriate music. And I know that finding music for a rape scene is a daunting task, but they probably could have done a bit better in that regard. They definitely could have. That was a very off-putting scene. I'm not sure if a scene like that should be anything other than off-putting, but it it definitely is jarring. Yeah, it it 
was, um, and I guess at least they deserve credit for not trying, because that's unfortunately something you see in a lot of B-movies, and it's more of an uncomfortable aspect now in the present day than it used to be. But um, but often rape scenes are used to serve the two purposes of showing how bad the bad guys are and give the audience some titillation. And luckily that scene doesn't quite go into just Franco, I dare you to masturbate to this territory, but it is Yeah, there's definitely upsetting. nothing titillating about it. No, no. So so good on you, Godfrey Ho. Good on you. Um, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Stigray is completely delusional in the fact that he believes that all the women he meets are either his mother or his wife who runs away, Anna, or both. And yet he's also an extremely talented um, mixed martial artist who knows this style that's known to only a few uh, people of American descent. And yeah, I, I don't know if someone, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of an interesting portrayal of mental illness that he's able to function as well, as well as he does. Yeah, and then just have that really abrupt, like, switch almost being flipped when Anna leaves him and he just, just breaks down. Yeah. But I have to say, and I, I made this reference to you earlier, uh, the, I recently, thanks to, thanks to a friend of the show, I got to watch two Z movies with the wonderful and not at all problematic title of Schizophreniac, the Horror Mangler. Yeah, no, I can't <laughs> think of anything like sensitive or, or possibly uh, problematic about that movie title at all. And, and the killer anti-hero. I, I, I watched it about the same time as the first time I watched Undefeatable, and I couldn't help but think that, like, Schizophreniac has a more <laughs> realistic depiction of mental illness than Jesus, really? <laughs> you think he actually controls you, Eric? Yeah, because I do what he says. Why? In the world, would you do what an inanimate object made out of plastic and wood tells you what to do, Harry? Because I like doing what he says. He tells me to do good things that I like. I mean, to me, to me, and, and yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm not a psychiatrist at all, but I would say, I would say yes, but. Despite all that, Stingray is is fairly memorable. It's just interesting that, you know, he's going to these high profile and I presume filmed fights because, you know, he has a manager and everything. And yeah, um, there, there's promotions around this fight. He's genuinely killing people in these fights, but it's not him who gets arrested. It's these wimpy little gangs holding little fights in the streets and. <laughs> Maybe there's a commentary there. I don't know. That's that's probably giving everybody involved way too much credit. But yeah, the the uh, the main street of underground uh, fighting is being persecuted, but the Wall Street <laughs> of underground death fighting is uh, getting away scot free. And I think 
I think you know, mixed with uh, with Stingray being a, a young Reagan uh, avatar, you know, maybe this movie has revolutionary politics we just haven't thought about. <laughs> I I think so. I think I think one of us should definitely write a paper for Jacobin about this about the <laughs> about the underappreciated politics of undefeatable. But you know, yeah. I mean, not not to make too much of a joke of it, but uh, you know he Stingray does like take advantage of his wife, so it's also acknowledging the reality of marital rape, which is real and often denied. So, yeah, maybe it's just a really progressive film. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, maybe undefeatable refers to capitalist domination of society, like uh, the fact that Sophia Rothrock has to work full time and break the law in order to pay for her sister's college fund. Yeah, and they portray her very obviously sympathetically for, for doing so. All right, I was joking before, but now I think we're, we're actually onto something. <laughs> if anybody likes this idea, let us know. Let the editors of Jacobin or any other leftist publication know. Could have been uh, Current Affairs, but then... Uh... <laughs> yes. <laughs> Everything with Nathan J. Robinson happened. Mm. Fucking Willy Wonka, Union Buster. <laughs> Those are words that I never thought I'd hear anybody say. <laughs> <laughs> right. And they make perfect sense in the context, too. Yeah, anyone who doesn't know who Nathan J. Robinson is probably like, what? Willy Wonka, Union Buster, are you having a stroke? Like, what, what do you mean by those words together? <laughs> Well, you know, Willy Wonka probably didn't allow unions, so I think the allegory makes a lot of sense. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure the Oompa Loompas would get like murked and like tossed in a river of like taffy if they ever tried to unionize their factory. <laughs> but anyway, in movies like this, I always love the moments where characters underreact to something and. This movie has one of my favorite underreaction scenes when Stingray's manager goes to investigate where he's been and he finds the, the fish tank of eyeballs. Yeah, the fish tank with all these women's eyeballs that he takes out for some reason. I can't remember if they even bother explaining it in the movie or not. But yeah, he finds a fish tank full of eyeballs and he just like, why would Stingray have, <laughs> have all these eyeballs? <laughs> And of course, he's helpless when Stingray does show up and kill him. And Stingray has like this giant warehouse area that's just the perfect villain lair where whether you're a Batman villain or you're a MMA fighter slash serial killer. Right. Yeah. I I can't help but wonder how like anyone could have helped him just get that set up in order and not look at it and be like, you know, maybe this guy is not all right. Maybe, uh, maybe someone should be warned or something. Well, yeah. And he literally goes around uh, killing random women and their boyfriends. And of course, at least the boy, I mean, some of the women don't know martial arts, but some of them do. Uh, but all the boyfriends and husbands who try to defend their, women from Stingray know martial arts, even like the redneck guy who lives out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> that was my favorite one. He's just this random trailer park guy who is just an elite level martial artist. 
I like that one even more than the the psychologist being a, a professional fighter or, or a, a person with like fighter level uh, skills. Yes. Oh, yeah. So if we should introduce her. The therapist uh, is the therapist of Stingway's wife, Anna. And it, it's kind of nice how she subtly directs Anna to leaving Stingray about like, uh, he's obviously abusive. You need to get out before he escalates things again. Yeah, that might actually be seemed like a more. clip that you could show a real like person who's going through domestic abuse. Like it was actually like a legitimately good scene. Yeah. Good stuff to say. Yeah. I mean, we might be giving the movie too much credit, but there are genuinely surprisingly very decent scenes from this movie that make it hard for me to believe it's the same guy who had the actor Richard Harrison talk about the evil ninja empire over Garfield phones. (laughs) (laughs) When Ana leaves, Stingray becomes, and this is where his delusional part, he's still, he's still a killer martial artist, but at the same time, he's so delusional that he thinks Every woman that resembles Anna is either Anna, his mother, or both, because they're apparently the same woman in his brain, as the therapist points out at one point. You know, maybe this is also a movie about the dangers of uh, traumatic brain injury for fighters. There you go. Before it's time. <laughs> All right, so wait, let, let's let's take a second and review. All right, so... This is a movie that's uh, sympathetic to gang gang members, uh, sympathetic to people just trying to put their siblings through college, even if they have to bend the rules to do so. Uh, It's anti-marital rape. It is uh, also, I don't even remember some of the other stuff we said because it's it's such such an overall just revolutionary film, I guess. So so how does the cop fit into it, do you think? Ooh, good question. I mean, maybe it's like uh, maybe it's like RoboCop, where it's pretty leftist, uh, other than being pro cop, since they're part of the public sector. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's like that. And, and Nick does give Cynthia a break a couple of times. I mean, he's clearly abusing his power to spend time with her. But <laughs> yeah, he's clearly not like truly down for for the cause per se he's clearly just interested in her but uh you know maybe maybe still at the end of the day it's showing the effects of uh if if uh cops were reimagined to be more like social workers instead of just violent arms of the state yeah and along those lines he does Unilat at the end of the movie after Stingray is killed, well, which we'll have to go back to because it's another of my favorite scenes in the movie. It's amazing. He he unilaterally sends Cynthia to college after she, <laughs> after she also sends the members of the gang to college. Yeah, I love that they all tell each other. Uh, oh, by the way, I signed you up for college. What? Well, guess what? I signed you up for college. What? I just love that that and, and it kind of makes me wish I could I could do that just like go to my friend and say hey I signed you up to be a art history student. <laughs> I, I love art history just as a side note because uh, art history exists so that normal historians would have a major 
to make fun of for not being practical. Yes. Like, you know, some some engineering person might be like, you're a history major. What, do you want to be serving fries at McDonald's? And then us as historians, we meet an art historian. And it's like, uh, do you want to have a job? <laughs> That's true. Although memorizing the titles and painter names of all those slides is no joke. Oh, it is. It's a very impressive uh, field. No, no smoke to my uh, art historian homies out there listening right now. Nothing but respect. But uh, yeah, not the major you want if you ever want a job. Mm -hmm. Then there's how they manage to. Well, first Stingray a, a attacks the therapist who he blames for Anna disappearing, and he kidnaps her. But um, uh, he he and he kills the secretary who's apparently like one of the very few people in the movie who doesn't know martial arts because she isn't able to. Possibly uh, the only one who doesn't. Possibly, yeah, quite possibly. I guess yeah. her and the child that got kicked across the room in the beginning. <laughs> those those are the two people in this universe that don't know martial arts. <laughs> I think so. There might be a couple of people I'm forgetting, but they're the ones that are most important. But the therapist does know, and she does get kidnapped eventually. Uh, there's also a scene in a hospital where they narrowly capture Stingray, but she does end up in Stingray's clutches and manages to, I don't know, I kind—I of, mean, that's the part where I kind of talked about like how ridiculous it is because Stingray's levels of delusion seem to vary from scene to scene. Yeah, I, I do love that part, though, where she's like, where she very cleverly uh, just takes up the role of mom and is like, Stingray, go clean your room. I'm going to go make dinner right now. And he's just like, yes, mom. But he still knows enough to to keep her chained up, though. That's a problem. Yep. <laughs> well, maybe he uh, chained up his own mom? Yeah, maybe. Or maybe in his mind, that's like keep how he's going to keep her from getting away again it's, i don't know compared to godfrey ho's earlier movies this is a serious psychological thriller so this is his vertigo this is his vertigo yes. <laughs> i mean you think i'm exaggerating but i'm probably not uh and yeah then we get to the therapist is rescued and again that's kind of one of my favorite scenes is where Cynthia has taken and it kind of surprised me as an audience member because I kind of saw it coming but I genuinely didn't expect them to switch out the therapist with Cynthia and she just immediately goes to kicking his ass it was pretty pretty clever oh wait but I always forgot that yeah the way they found do you want to talk about how they found Stingray in the first place to detective work they found they did oh please let's yeah <laughs> um oh you could go ahead if you if you want to no no go for it i'll, okay. I'll just riff <laughs> yeah basically um so stingray is a master of i i guess a technique is the right word um a, an ancient chinese martial arts technique 
that uh, very few, only a few Caucasians know, but all the Caucasians who know it are all located within this one city. Yeah, um, in, in like never, a three-mile radius. Yeah, within a three-mile radius. Uh, one's, one's out of town. Uh, one is in a wheelchair, and I think that narrows it down to Stingray. Wait, wasn't wasn't he the one who was out of town? And then there's was the he? wheelchair guy, and then there was some other person who... Oh, yeah, they fight him. And, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Stingray might have been the one that was out of town because he was just holed up at his industrial warehouse base. And, oh, yeah, we, we forgot the most important plot detail, which is that Stingray does kill Cynthia Rothrock's sister. Oh, yeah, I guess that did happen, didn't it? Yeah, all that tuition money down the drain. I think there's only, like, two scenes where they really deal with it before it's suddenly about protecting the therapist from Stingray. Yeah, and I do think, you know, going back to Cynthia Rothrock's acting ability, she does do a really convincing job, like, when she goes to identify her sister's body. Like, that part mm -hmm. actually kind of hit me. She, she really uh, sells that moment. And then, yeah, it just kind of doesn't matter again until the very end of the movie. Yeah, but at least they did have that scene where she and her sister were talking in, in uh, the sister's bedroom and, you know, bonding a little bit. So, mm. Compared to some other movies that I talked about for for the site, that that definitely was more character work <laughs> that I've seen yeah. elsewhere. I, I really think if they had flushed that a little bit more, I mean, it really could have just been like a good movie, if not like a little overacted. But it it does have really good parts. I mean, yeah. compared to other movies you see like this, where there's just flimsy like construction paper that's supposed to form the foundation of the entire plot. Oh yeah, I, and I just overlooked it, uh, the sister's death, because I wanted to get, uh, yeah, talk, <laughs> it's your turn to talk about how they managed to take out Stingray, if you. Oh man, I, I don't even know if I'm capable of a play-by-play -play description <laughs> of it, because the only thing that's just, or not the only thing, but the main thing that's seared into my mind is just Stingray and the detective just taking off their shirts and like growling at each other. And like there's there's certainly fighting to to be done. You know, they're they're fighting in Stingray's again, like a industrial warehouse slash training slash torture chamber place. Um, but man, when I think of the end of that movie, I I just see two shirtless dudes growling at each other. I don't even remember what Cynthia Rothrock's character was doing because I was I was just so taken in by these guys just like grunting and growling and hitting each other. <laughs> have you ever been in a fight like that? <laughs> I certainly have not. Uh, I I'd love to be in one uh, at some point in my life just to say that I have been, but uh, no, unfortunately, I have not yet. Uh, well, you'll have to work on your ripping the torn shirt off uh, technique, I guess. <laughs> Most vital technique of all. But uh, yeah, I also just need to get swole like those guys, man. <laughs> and oiled up, too. Oiled up, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you have to somehow get oiled up without it showing on the shirt that you just tore off. 
on. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's yeah. The, the shirt must be dry. My skin <laughs> must be oiled up. That's the true um, ancient Chinese technique that few have mastered. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't even like a specific strike or anything. It was just how to professionally uh, be, be oiled up in a convincing way. <laughs> Oh, but, but of course for me, uh, being the gore and torture lover that I am, the scene where Stingray gets impaled on a laundry hook, oh, his boy. eyes get impaled on a laundry hook, and it lifts him up. Oh, that was gruesome. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that was, that was the other memorable part of, of that fight scene, just that very end, yeah. Oh, and remember, remember the uh, best part where um, where you get the one-liners from the glorious one-liners from both Cynthia and the cop, who the cop just is just piggybacking off Cynthia's brilliance. Remind me of what the uh, uh, what the lines are. Oh, sure. <laughs> Keep an eye out for you, Stingray. Yeah. See ya. Yeah. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. How, how could I forget those just A-level lines? Oh, man. I'm so embarrassed right now. Yeah, you just gotta love a movie that goes from a mournful scene where a woman is crying for the sister that she helped raise or that she practically raised to putting her way through college yeah to see you later um yeah and, uh, uh yeah see ya <laughs> and of course the best part of all the ending where everybody gets to go to college <laughs> yeah i god i am um envious of what they must have been paying for tuition in what was this 88 that it was made uh uh 93 oh 93 okay yeah. yeah either way yeah bring me back to those 93 tuition levels where you could just like surprise someone and say hey i signed you up for college it cost me like only i don't know a thousand dollars for for a semester yeah but it undercuts the whole subplot where Sylvia was having to work to sign up I mean to keep uh, her sister in college so so that is very true actually yeah before it was like oh man I I don't want to fight in these super awesome cool badass underground fight tournaments to the death but gotta put my sister through college oh uh, what's up y'all putting like 10 of y'all through college right now let's go <laughs> Yeah, I guess I guess just the cop is really well paid, and he's putting he's paying the tab for everybody to college. I don't know. Uh, uh, again, imagine a, a world where cops are more like social workers who help you, and not violent arms of the state. This is that world. From the very start, he didn't just want to lock Cynthia up for her fights. He wanted to help deal with her issues of social mobility. <laughs> You know, he, he saw her fighting and he looked at her hands and he was just like, those are the hands of a woman who will know how to spread oil on my exposed torso. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I like that interpretation. 
Well, um, uh, unless you have something else to add, I think um, this is a good point to um, to rip our shirts off and oil up. Um, <laughs> Just growl at each other for five <laughs> to ten minutes. <laughs> exactly. So uh, tell the good folks at home where they can find you. So uh, I have social media on all platforms. If you do want to find me, I'm David Hollingsworth. But uh, I think the main thing I want to plug is my podcast I do with a couple other uh, historian friends. And uh, as the word historian probably just, uh, you know, gave you a hint toward, it is a history podcast and it is called A Mouthful of History. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, So if you have social media, you know, we'd appreciate to follow. But Otherwise, yeah, look us up on any podcast app. We, you know, we really try to make history kind of interesting and accessible. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd like to think we've done a, a decent job so far. You know, we talked about all sorts of topics. We've done episodes ranging from like different, you know, U.S. presidential elections we find interesting to the Vietnamese War of Independence from the French to the 1953 U.S. coup in Iran. Just all sorts of different uh, topics. Right, excellent. And I definitely give a mouthful of history my personal endorsement as a historian who's struggling a bit <laughs> right at the <laughs> moment. But but anyway. All right. Well, thanks for, for being on, David. And uh, to quote Pinhead, I'm glad, well, I'm glad that you're into uh, B-movies a bit more now, hopefully. And I look forward to showing you more sites. I have such sites to show you to to quote the great pinhead. Oh, but do you think uh, undefeated, I forgot to ask the key question behind this entire show. Uh, Do you think that the undefeatable belongs in the trash canon? Ooh, Uh, I am gonna have to say no. You know, oh, really? it, it has too many uh, redeeming things to it to be called trash. Uh, it's certainly overacted by pretty much everyone other than Cynthia Rothrock. But I mean, otherwise, it's well choreographed. It has some memorable scenes and it's just a lot of fun. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of texture to this movie that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm uh, there's a lot of modern Hollywood movies I do like. But, you know, as we've talked about before, uh, a lot of them are just so smooth and textureless. And this just stands in contrast to that in a, re- in a really interesting and memorable way. Oh, nice. So, so you think it's too good to be called trash, even ironically and in a friendly way? I think if it's called trash in an endearing way, then yes. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. That's fair. Mm-hmm.